Jesus. Well, it's around that time right here on KAZ Radio, where I got one of my most favorite shows, none other than Christian Networking Entrepreneurs with Pastor Teresa McCurry. Take it away, Pastor T. Thank you, thank you, Apostle James, and welcome to Christian Networking Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Pastor T, and Christian Networking Entrepreneurs is a show where we showcase emerging entrepreneurs, small business owners, and community leaders. And today we have a phenomenal guest that is a community leader, so help me welcome to the show Celeste Terry from the United Black Fund. Hey, Celeste, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, we appreciate you joining us today. So today our guest, Celeste Terry, is going to tell us a little bit about the United Black Fund. But before we get into the United Black Fund, we want to find out all about Celeste Terry. So, Celeste, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see. I am a native of Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up in Shaker Heights, Ohio, graduate of uh, Shaker Heights High School. I won't say what year, but it was in the 70s. (laughs) Uh, So I'm a member of the Hall of Fame there. Uh, I am an adjunct professor at Case Western Reserve University, field instructor, grants manager at the United Black Fund. I'm an author. Um, so, you know, a lot of things. All right, let's unpack some of those things. Yeah, okay. Some of so, when I first met you, I was thinking about that on my drive here today. I said, I think I first met Celeste at the Toastmasters. Yes. Was it Toastmasters? That was Toastmasters a long, long, long time ago. I know. And I don't think you had even, I think you had just started to open Mimi's, and I think I stood up and talked because I was doing massage at that time. Yeah. that's what caught your attention, and then I started doing massage for you at Mimi's. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, and I was thinking, I'm like, okay, so Celeste, we go way back. We go That's way been over twenty something plus I know. years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. So and then when I first met you, you had just relocated here from New York. Yes, came mm-hmm. back from New York. Um, so I'd been there almost twenty years, and so basically, I kind of had kind of burned out and so I had to come back home to kind of put myself and my life back together. Okay, okay. And so I think I was about maybe about thirty seven. Right. Yeah. So um it was like a, a, a kind of a long drawn out thing because I had a, a little stint in Miami Beach because you know I had a little nervous breakdown and depression and things like that. So a friend of mine sent me a one-way plane ticket. He said, just come down to Miami and get yourself together. I said, fine. So I packed up my cat and a few suitcases, <laughs> and I just went down. I stayed with him for, for almost a year, and then I said, well, I think I'm ready to go back. He said, are you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure. So I went back to New York, and then I stayed with my friend John in Brooklyn uh, for about four months, and I said, well, I think, I think I'm I think I'm going to go back to Ohio. He said, are you sure? Everybody was like, are you sure? So then I called my parents. I said, well, I think I'm ready. They said, okay, well, you're, you're welcome to come back. So okay, I, cool. I went back, and I just had to really start over. So I basically put my life back together from the time I returned to Cleveland till now. So it's a whole different life. I know, a whole, a whole different whole you. fabulous, wonderful life. Yeah. So is that where you started the whole social work piece? Yes. Okay. Yes, actually, because I never really knew about social work, but um, I kind of, I think I kind of was doing it, but I didn't really know what it was. And so then I um, was, you know, working at the United Black Fund and then, um, you know, got accepted into a case, the Mandel School. And so then I got the master's degree in social work and all of that. So, yeah. So being, um, let's kind of like unpack that a little more. Mm-hmm. So when you went to New York, had a fabulous time, got burnt out. Do you think the whole social work piece started because of the stress, because of the um, feeling like you were having a nervous breakdown or because you feel like your life was spiraling out of control? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, because it was uh, really quite funny because when I was sitting in my classes, in my master's classes, and I was hearing you know, the professors talking, the light bulbs went off. I said, wait a minute, that, that's that what was, was wrong with me, <laughs> you know? So I started learning about what was really wrong with me, and that's where I really realized I was, like, clinically depressed, mm-hmm, but I really didn't mm-hmm. know at the time. So I kind of began to understand, you know, what had happened and, and what was wrong, and then I started to be able to put it together. Um, but, yeah, that's exactly what happened. So and that's, it, it gave me some clarity. Yeah, yeah. and that's amazing, because I remember I went through a bout with depression, never 
got diagnosed whether it was clinical or not. But when I went through the depression, it was like I knew that I wasn't myself. I felt like if, if I can describe it, like I was underwater. You yes. know, like everything was going on and I was yes. focusing, but I was underwater. And I didn't realize that I was depressed till I actually came out of the depression. Yes. And yes. then when I came out of depression and I look back, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I was like, wow, I was really depressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like my case, I think it was like a long time. I won't say like 12 years, but um, the thing about it is in my case, you know, it was kind of suicidal too. Uh, but, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't read books for a couple years, you know, because I couldn't focus. Okay. And okay. I, I didn't wear a watch for several years. I, I managed to get to places on time. I don't know how I did it, but I never wore a watch. Um, couldn't focus. Um, it was just a really, really uh, difficult time. And so I was falling apart, and my friends saw that I was falling apart, and they were like, well, what's wrong with her? But, you know. That's what was going on. Well, cool. Yeah. So then you've turned that all around and made it um, really, really work for you. So after that, you went back to school. Yep. Went and back then to you went for your um, degree in social work. Yeah. And then from there, you went and got your master's degree in social work. Yeah. So actually, the going to actually I had gone to uh, had gotten into New York University when I was in New York. So I went to there for a short, but maybe about a year. Okay. And so, um, you know, life started getting in the way. And so, you know, that crashed. And so uh, that was a dream because I always wanted a master's degree, but then, you know, it crashed. So 22 years later, the opportunity <laughs> came at in Cleveland. And so 22 years later, at the age of 45, I went back to uh, Case and obtained my uh, master's degree. It's never too late. It's never too never late. Too never late. too late. Never too late. I love it. That's, that's really cool. And that really kind of gives people hope because a lot of people say, okay, well, I didn't do it in my 20s. I didn't do it in my 30s. It's too late. It's never too it's late. It's never too late. Never too late. Never too and late. then you just totally reinvented yourself. Completely. So then... Um, social work, and then after that, nonprofit became your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was interesting too because my mom was the director of the United Black Fund, and so um, you know I didn't know anything really about nonprofit, but I always heard and was around, you know, and, and knew about what she did, and and she was one of the the founders. She's like the last surviving wow. founder. Yeah, the last surviving oh, member. Terry. Yeah, yeah. And so I always, you know, heard about things, and uh, um, so she thought you know, I would be a good fit because my experience in New York, I worked in corporate marketing. So I okay. worked at Citicorp, what was then Citicorp, uh, New York banking division. So I was in corporate marketing, uh, sales promotion and advertising and all that. Uh, you know, right in the heart of things and mm -hmm. working with corporate advertising. It was pretty pretty interesting and, and very cool, actually. So she figured it would be a good fit, so she actually hired me. And so... So when you first were hired on, what were you hired on as? I was hired on as doing uh, grants. Well, actually, I was doing a little um, consulting work, working with some of the uh, community organizations. And then I was doing... Um, we did something called Neighbors United for Safe Youth, okay. which was called NUSI, and basically it was a train the trainers where we taught conflict resolution to the estates. See, um, yes, what do you call it? Uh, you know, Cuyahoga Metropolitan Housing. Okay. CMHA. Okay. okay. And so we were teaching uh, the residents their conflict resolution. So at that time, when President Clinton was in office, he had signed into law where if uh, neighbors were bad neighbors, they could be evicted. Mm. And then they would lose their housing. And if they were kicked out of federal housing, you would not be able to get into other federal housing. And so they would contact us to do mediation with the residents to give them a chance before you know they possibly they would be them evicted. Out. Yeah. So then we would train the residents, and the residents would also become instructors. So did that a number of years, and then I was actually hired on. So hey. then, actually, then I became the grants manager. So that how long have you been in that position as the grants manager? Oh gosh, it's been over twenty years. Oh, wow, yeah, it's been over twenty years. So when I met you, that's the position that you mm -hmm. had. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, cool. and still doing it. Cool things, cool <laughs> and things. And still love it. So now what we do. Didn't talk about in in this um, course of us knowing each other. You wrote a book. Yes, yes, I wrote a book. Uh, let's see, back in let's see, 2008, which chronicled you know the nervous breakdown. But I made it into a book which talked about my transformation personally, but then using my skills to help transform UBF because at that time the internet 
and all of that was beginning to happen. And so, you know, I was a bit of a geek. Well, I still am a little bit. I'm not a little bit. Go ahead, girl. Go ahead. But, you know, so I was getting us into, like, internet radio. I had a show to mystifying nonprofits that, you know, was publicity for us as well as the agencies we mm -hmm. funded. I had a podcast. And, you know, I was finding um, different uh, new technologies to utilize that United Black Fund could use so we could get a wider audience. Right, for right. Mm -hmm. So just using that platform with the podcast. Because you were doing podcasts before podcasts were popular. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was ago. back mm. 2004. Yeah. You know, started. Yeah. yeah. I was always finding things. And, and then, like, and let I me would, try this. Yeah, and I would figure out how to use it. And then I would implement it and, uh, you know, use it for UBF to expand our reach. All right. So mm -hmm. what's the title of your book? It was called, let me see, what is the name of my book? Demystifying, Demystifying Nonprofits for Relevancy in Challenging Times. So what are you doing with that right now? Because I remember maybe about five years ago, I came to a workshop seminar that you were doing right. as it relates to that. And right. you had like different um, pieces that you were sharing about the book. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing with the book now or even with that workshop? Uh, actually, you know, I was trying out things. So this is what we were talking about before. How you try things and you kind of see you know, what you're good at and what fits. So I, you know, saw a number of associates who were doing, you know, workshops and things. I mm -hmm. said, well, let me try that. So I tried it, and I did two of them, mm -hmm. and so I realized this is not my thing. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so um, I decided that wasn't my thing in that format. But what I really discovered is I'm really a professor. I'm really a teacher. Right. So that's what I do. But I don't teach in that particular form. Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. but I'm really a teacher. But that's good. To me, that's good. So even like, so with this platform, we talk to emerging entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. We talk to small business owners. And we talk to community leaders. You're here to represent the community leader piece, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. But even in representing that community leader piece as emerging entrepreneurs, sometimes you try something on for size and it just doesn't fit. Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, but you try. Mm -hmm. And so I did. You know, I had some people come. They came to the second one. I said, you know, I don't think this is really, this isn't working for me. So I didn't do anything else with it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have my book. So sometimes people may call me, but I don't really um, do too much with that right now because there's probably another book coming, but it's not there yet. The words haven't come yet, but mm -hmm. it's coming. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I have found is I'm more focused on my teaching um, at Case and working with my students. And uh, what has happened is I started a, a grant writing class back in 2017 in Mount Pleasant to teach my people about <laughs> grant writing and how to play the game. So I decided I would offer this class in an underserved community, which is Mount Pleasant, a community that I know and like. Um, and so I, you know, got everything set up and offered this class starting in September 2017. Uh, wildly popular, over 400 people attended. Um, and then what happened was probably um, earlier last year, I was invited to a meeting uh, with another organization, Cleveland Leadership Center. and. Uh, they had a cohort that went to Puerto Rico um, two years ago when Hurricane Maria hit. Right. So they went to help uh, because there's a large Puerto Rican population here in Cleveland. And so what came out of that visit was that people wanted to know about grant writing. So at this meeting, they were talking about this. And so keep in mind from the time they went in 2018, so the time I was at that meeting, which is probably November 2019, you know, nothing had happened. Right. So I'm sitting in the meeting going, wait a minute. I said, this is what I do. I teach community grant writing. And I said, well, you know, I have a manual, so we can just adapt that and we can use it. And they were like, oh, my God, this is fabulous. So what has happened is, is that my community grant writing class in Mount Pleasant has morphed into this international training. Wow. Um, and I've done... Um, so what happened was we were going to go to Puerto Rico April 26th to April 30th, but then, of course, the pandemic hit, so we couldn't go. And so we decided we would still, because we were going to go and I was going to teach my grant writing right, in Puerto Rico. Right. And so the manual that you know you saw because you came to class, which I was <laughs> collected, I never let anybody have. <laughs> and so that was you know translated into Spanish. And so... Um, we decided we would still offer it. So we offered our class by Zoom. 
and we did it the same dates, April 27th, April 30th, and we did a third one, May 21st. But the exciting part was is that um, as I spoke, you know, my uh, words were translated into Spanish, right? And so the third workshop was completely in Spanish, so people saw my face, but all they Somebody heard was Spanish. Somebody else's yes. lyrics was going over yes. in Spanish. Yes. How cool is that? So my manuals all over Puerto Rico in Spanish <laughs> <laughs> and doing this. And so um, let me just have a look. Watch That's that. okay. That is really cool. So that's because just think about it. And this is for entrepreneurs. You're just doing something that you totally love to do. Yep. So first, you would like doing these workshops. This is not working. Tried it on for size. It just doesn't fit. It's just not me. I'm a professor. I'm a presenter. That Now, a workshop and a professor and a presenter, it seems like it's the same, but it's totally, totally different. different. It's totally different mm -hmm. once you really get into the nitty-gritty of it. So you're doing your classes, grant writing classes, in Mount Pleasant as a way to give back to the, to the community. My people need to understand how to write these grants. I'm giving back to the community. And I'm for free. For free. And I'm showing up, you know, I'm doing it with the people. Sometimes Come there's nobody not. there. Sometimes it'd be one person. I said, we get a private lesson tonight. Or, you know, so I would just be there and I would just, you know, for three years, you know, I was just doing this. And so um, I think the lesson is um, I was ready. It's like that that uh, message, you know. When the student when is ready, prepared, the teacher will come. Right, the and opportunity, yes. The opportunity was there, and so there it was. So it was wonderful, A, because, you know, I was ready and had the opportunity, but the wonderful thing is it's for um, the bigger picture for the United Black Fund. Here is a black organization, and me, you know, doing international yes. training with my work that is being, you know, translated into Spanish. Into, and then from Spanish, from Puerto Rico, it could go so many. I mean, it the door, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. The possibilities are endless. Yeah. So let's back up. Let's talk and about this. I'm working this. on my Spanish, too. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing I know is hola. Hola, como estas? <laughs> Look at you. Go, girl. And you got to be prepared for that. That's what I'm saying. Because when we go back, I'm going to be ready. Amen. I'll be ready. Because we are going back. So when we go back. I'll be ready. You'll be ready. And, you know, I'm making my other little connections. So, yeah, I'll have other people that I will know that the other people won't know that, you know, I'll be seeing when I go down there. Good. That's amazing. That's a, from a grant writing class at Mount Pleasant. Now my girl is doing international big things, starting off in Puerto Rico. But now once everything is translated into Spanish, it can go to so many different mm -hmm. Spanish-speaking countries. Mm -hmm. So let's back up. Let's mm -hmm. talk about the whole grant writing class. Yes. As she mentioned, I attended the grant writing class. It's a three- part class. Mm -hmm. Is it still a three-part class? Yes. Okay, because yes. it's been about a year since I attended. Yes. And she teaches you everything from A to Z as it relates to getting ready to apply for a grant. Not just to apply for United Black Fund grants, mm -hmm. just to apply for grants in general. Because if you don't know, you don't know. You don't. And a lot of times it's not like, no, I'm not um, trying to write a grant or put that on for myself, for my organizations, but just having the know-how. Yes. So with attending your work shops and knowing the know-how somebody else on my team actually got the grant together mm -hmm. but I was able to look at it and to know yeah well in Celeste's class this said we need to have a logic model exactly. it needs to make sense it needs to make sense <laughs> in Celeste's class she said you're not in front of the people so when they read this document about you you and your personality need to jump out of this page so they can know who you are exactly and then in Celeste's class, she said that if you don't have the experience, you need to have somebody on your team with those skill sets or that has the experience. So when you come together, you're this whole big package. So in the grant writing mm -hmm. class for it to just really prosper, it was dynamic. You were doing it for free. And I, we always say in our ministry, we don't do anything for free. We sow seeds. Okay. So you sown those seeds. Sowing them. And them seeds are now reaping a harvest. Yes. Yeah, so tell the viewing audience just a little bit about when you, are you doing the classes virtually now? Yeah, I'm going to okay, start so at probably I'm going to start probably maybe late August or September. Okay, but I will start up again. They'll be virtual. All yes, right. So know, they have to be right now. Right, <laughs> right now in the midst of the pandemic, yes. you know, um, a lot of things are being virtual, and then just being creative about it. So mm -hmm. me, even the opportunity for you to do it in Puerto Rico didn't happen because you couldn't go to Puerto Rico because mm -hmm. you couldn't travel right. because we're in the midst of a pandemic exactly. and did not. 
not saying, oh, this didn't work. You got together virtually and did it virtually. We did it anyway and still offered at the same time. Same time, right. same date, same station, all of that stuff. All and right. then in the midst of it, okay, I don't speak Spanish. Okay, you don't speak Spanish. How, what are we going to do? Boom, you get a translator. We get a translator. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm meeting all these, you know, wonderful new people and, and, and you know, just seeing how this new... Um, a uh, way to do something happens. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting. It is. Very I'm excited for yeah, it. So I'm really excited to see that when obstacle, obstacles come, we don't just sit back and say, ah, oh, this is not working. We get creative. Yes. And we get our mind going and we figure out a way to make this thing work. Exactly. And so like when we're sitting in the class, as I tell people, all I have as a reviewer is what you send me. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't make sense or if it's all over the place, this is all I have. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be compelling if you want me to take my time to read it. And let's talk about that. Let's okay. talk about that. Let's, because let's see, that. I, I tell people a lot of times that, you know, when people are looking at papers and stuff, knowing what your skill set is and what your skill set, for me, I'm not good at grammar or sentence structure or anything. Mm -hmm. I write my thoughts down. Then I got to pass that on mm -hmm. for somebody who is going to make it grammatically correct for me and put the sentence structure in. So I don't care how many books I read, how much I, I did pass. I actually got. Uh, a, a bachelor's degree but it's just not my gifting mm -hmm. so when it comes to things like this let the viewing audience know how important it is to have that stuff together on paper oh my gosh I can't I can't stress enough because again this is representing you um, you have to get past the reviewer which is the grants person who is going to you know pass it on to the committee for review so if it doesn't get past me it's not going to the committee because I'm not going to waste the committee's time because the committee's going to be looking at me like, well, how did this even what, get past you? Know, you? What, what's going on? What, why did this get past you? You know, so we don't do that. Um, so again, it's take your time. And if you know that certain things are not your skill, then you find someone who can look at it for you. You know, I always have people look at things for me mm -hmm. before I do something. Yeah, it's, like, so it's one thing to put, put some internal um, paperwork in with the ministry. It's another thing if I'm sending it That's out right. somewhere. It's like, okay, That's if right. I'm sending this out, um, I need to go to, it's like a little app on your phone, Grammarly. <laughs> yes. Grammarly help a sister out all the time. Because there's so many things that you can use. Um, and in terms of research, too, I, I cannot stress the importance of doing um, your research to present your information properly because if you are trying to get grant money you have to present the fact that you understand the issue you have to understand the market the audience that you're planning to serve and you have to understand the need and and why is your program needed right so you've right. got to really justify and really explain what is going to make your program stand out? Because in Cleveland, Northeast Ohio, there's so many nonprofit organizations and so many that very often are doing a lot of the same thing. Same thing. So you have to stand out, you have to distinguish yourself, and so nothing does that better than a well-crafted application that really states what you do and, and states it well. That's so good. So let's just tell, okay, what is the United Black Fund? What do y'all do? Okay, well, the United Black Fund, actually, we're coming up on almost 40 years. 40 years of being amazing. in that is. Isn't that something? Yeah. Um, and so we were founded back in 1981. We were kind of morphed out of two organizations called um, the Negro Community, remember that word? The Negro. Negro Community Federation and Blacks Organized for Social Services. So back then, um, the, the folks who were involved in a lot of the community organization, they all came out of Mount Pleasant, you know, that area for mm -hmm. the most part. Um, they were all working together, but they realized that they were kind of doing the same thing. Okay. And so they realized that they could you know, fold that together. And then in the meantime, the late uh, George W. White, who was the founder, had seen an article in Ebony Magazine about United Black Fund America. So okay. he called up Calvin Rollark, who was the, the president. And so he went down and talked to them. And so United Black Fund America was involved in doing payroll deduction because there were a lot of African-Americans working for the federal government. So they were involved in payroll deduction to get them to donate that way. But um, Judge liked the model, but 
um, they decided they didn't want to get into payroll deduction. Okay. That they would strictly stay with being philanthropic and uh, do grants. Now, the reason they did that was because prior to that time, I'm going to say 1981, it was virtually impossible for small uh, black nonprofit organizations to get funding. Okay. So, you know, you couldn't really go to the Cleveland Foundation or the Gunn Foundation or some other places to get money because they weren't going to fund you. It just didn't happen. It just wasn't available it wasn't, for African Americans, just period. It wasn't, wasn't going to happen. Okay. Wasn't gonna okay. And so when we came on the scene, then um, it kind of leveled the playing field for our community, and then the other organizations, you know, started um, letting us play. Yes, not, yes. Not, we couldn't sit at the table, but at least we could play. Yeah, we could play okay. and be at the okay. table a bit more. And uh, so it it really was about um, uh, leveling the playing field and 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 letting our community be involved in accessing philanthropic dollars so that we could address issues in our community. Okay, so the United Black Fund America is United Black Fund Cleveland Associated? No, totally. So just two well, totally different things. Yeah, so y'all do totally different yeah, things. We're totally, yeah, and, and totally, their founders, they've passed away. I don't even know if they're really still They're functioning. not in existence they, they may not, I don't really know, but um, Calvin and his wife both passed away years ago. So I don't even know if they're still in existence. functioning. Okay. Uh, but uh, no, we're totally separate, no kind of affiliation. Okay. No. All right. So in a nutshell, United Black Fund gives money to nonprofit organizations, and you have three different tiers. Yes. Okay. So we are a grant maker, and so we are um, a federated organization. So we are. Um, a federated organization with United Way like the Jewish Community Federation and Catholic Charities in the sense that we do not do direct service. We get funding and then we uh, provide funding to 501c3 organizations. So you have to be a 501c3 tax-exempt organization. So we do not make grants to individuals. You must be. <laughs> people people call you up for some money. So, they call so don't, don't call me up looking for a grant for yourself. <laughs> but you have to be, you know, a, a tax-exempt organization from the IRS. <laughs> I am tax-exempt. Yes, yes. Um, I yeah, pharmaceuticals then, then on the corner. Then we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> then right. we can talk. Uh, but yeah, so you have to do that. And so it was... Um, um, a very unique concept because, you know, uh, for a group of African Americans, because you know, they were professionals, they were lawyers, doctors, yeah. my mom was an engineer, you know, and all that. Yeah. So they came together as a, a group of black professionals and, and put this thing together, and here we are 40 years later. Still going we're strong. We're still going strong. That's yeah. amazing. And still leaving our mark and still making it possible for black organizations to at least uh, be part of the philanthropic uh, community. Yeah, that's really good. And then the fact, to me, I keep going back to your grant writing class because it's so important mm -hmm. because a lot of, basically, when you start a nonprofit, it's from passion. It's something that you love to do, something that you have a heartbeat for. 99.99% um, .99 of the time, you're funding it yourself. Mm -hmm. oh, you're yeah. paying for it. You might get somebody to give you some money to help mm -hmm. you buy some things, whatever you're doing for your nonprofit. But the fact that there is something like the United Black Fund that exists that will help people help people. Yes, yes. And, and you're absolutely right because a lot of people, that's how they start, you know, and it could be for years, you know, you're, you have the passion for what you want to do and, and you're paying for it out of your pocket and and maybe after a couple of years you're like mm, you know there's got to be another way and then somehow or another you hear about the United Black Fund because you may have heard about my grant writing class <laughs> and so then you come to class and then you know you talk about it and so the other purpose with my class is I look for two organizations you know that are ready mm -hmm. meaning that they have their 501c3 They've been doing the work for at least four years. They're small, but they're just at a point now where they need some grant money. Mm -hmm. And so I'm happy to say that I'm, we're funding four organizations that have come through my grant awesome. writing class. You know, they've gone through the whole process, the pre-application, the whole nine yards, and been vetted and gone through the process. So um, that's the other 
um, thing that I do with the grand class. And that's good, I mean, because the reality is if you didn't offer the grand class to the community, for the community to come to share with you their thoughts, their ideas, and try to get this training so that they can write a, a grant that will be acceptable to the fund, you would never have met those people. Right, and then they probably would never have heard because our office is down in Playhouse Square downtown. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our community, A, don't go downtown, mm -hmm. or they still are a little intimidated about going downtown. Mm -hmm. And so if it weren't for me being right in the community, they probably would not hear about me or would not even know. So I would, I started doing uh, morning classes and evening classes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was doing okay. morning and evening, and then it just worked out that more people were starting to come, come in the, to the evening. evening. So then I just did um, away do with the, the evening. morning yeah. classes. Yeah. yeah, and I think the first time I was, I got so caught up in talking that I almost got locked in the building, you know, <laughs> that night because the guard didn't know I was still there, and then you know, pulled the gates and everything. She said, "Oh, I didn't know you were here." I was like, "Oh my God," you know. So now I know I have to be out of there, you know. They don't shut it down. You're gonna be sleeping yeah, yeah. there. Yeah. You don't get out of there by some right. time. But they were always, you know, very nice and very accommodating for me. They loved having me you know, at uh, Mount Pleasant Development now. So it's great, great working that's, relationship. Yeah, that's cool. So, and it's funny how you would say that first we started off trying to have it in the morning and the evening, yeah. and that goes back to trying something on yeah, the you, side. Yeah, you see how it goes, you know, and I did, like I did, I had, you know, good little group, and it kind of, you know, so you just test things out, and I just um, kept going with it in the evening, and I would just be there, you know, 5.30 to 7.30, rain, snow, horrible evenings, but it would be packed. Yeah, you know, yeah. but people would be there. So That's good. I would just uh, be there, and then I would have my manual, and I would tell people, "I'm collecting this after <laughs> class. Do not write in it. I'll be checking the front of your coat to make sure there's no book imprint." You know, I have them laughing, but they knew I was serious. <laughs> and she is telling the truth. So when you go take her workshop, you better be taking notes or taking pictures with your phone. She do not matter. But no. you are not walking out of there right. with that manual. Right. But you see the reason why because you see how the manual has turned into something else. So I wasn't about to have my work all over town because there was something, um, I wouldn't say better, but there was something bigger that was going to happen with it. So. Yeah, and that's your intellectual capital. That's you my property. took the time to put it together that's right. to help others. But yeah, nowadays you definitely got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. Now, what you saying that one of the things that I thought about, okay, when you were trying the morning and the evening class, these are just always little tidbits uh -huh. from our entrepreneurs. When we started Christian Networking Entrepreneurs, we tried to do a breakfast meeting. Mm. And then we tried a lunch meeting, okay. and then we tried an evening networking. So at the breakfast meeting, we just had a few little people. Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> we tried a lunch meeting. Lunch meeting was actually kind of well attended, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the evenings were always yeah, attended be much better, better mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And then understanding that a lot of entrepreneurs are parallelpreneurs, meaning that they have a nine-to-five, and they work somewhere else, exactly. and then their entrepreneur ventures are kind of different. And then we settle on the evening, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we would do it once a quarter, because we tried once a month when you know people right. get exactly. tired get um bored real easy it seemed like having a quarterly networking event worked out better for us so now in the midst of the pandemic even making those changes before um when we started the show here on KAZ we only did it once a month mm. But now that we're not networking, we're not doing anything face-to-face, -face, we move. So now we have the show twice a month. Okay. We're here every first and third Thursday. Mm -hmm. Who knows? We might even move it to more than that. Exactly. But then that way I'm trying to get my team. My team is like, they don't want to be on the camera. I'm like, it's really easy. you just having a conversation. The cameras just happen That's to it. be in the room, right? That's so it. you're just talking to people. Right. And um, so if I can get my team to do it, we might do something weekly. But right now I know I can commit mm -hmm. to the twice a month. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, knowing that the evening works out for you and you get the bigger attendance, mm -hmm. helping the people doing the evening grants. So yeah. cool beans. Yeah, it worked out good. I mean, I had people coming from Lorraine. I had Latino people coming from Lorraine and uh, Westlake, you know, Twinsburg, Macedonia, you know, from all over. Yeah. Yeah. Asian people coming. Yeah. Yeah. And they felt comfortable, you know. 
and we would just have a really wonderful time. And they're like, "Oh my God, it's over!" You know, it and is because like as you're going, like, "Oh my, it's time to stop already." I'm like, "Oh no, we gotta wrap this up. We gotta, you know, because we gotta get out of the building, you know, before we get locked up." Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's it's been a really um, it's been really just I think great fun. And and again, because I'm a teacher, so I just totally love it. Yeah, because I'm really teaching and imparting um, good knowledge and, again, looking for my organizations that I can help uh, bring into uh, funding and as well as just educating people and, again, um, just seeing how this has grown. Yeah, it's really grown. And even when I was taking the classes, the wonderful thing about it was the networking. Mm -hmm. So then you're networking with other people who are passionate people like yourself. Mm -hmm. So I remember it was a guy in the class and he did some, I think it was some kind of boxing for teenage boys. Yeah, yeah so he was doing his little boxing for the teenage mm -hmm. boys to help get them off the street and mm -hmm. give them something to focus on. Mm -hmm. I remember it was a young lady there and she was doing some kind of housing. Some yes, kind she of was doing it, like a, a group home type yeah. thing. Yeah, and then you was like, she's not ready. Yeah. You know, so with, with her in our class, she had the house and she had the idea but she didn't have the paperwork exactly, exactly. and you was like you know what baby girl you're gonna have to work on this you're gonna have to work and it was somebody else and mm -hmm. some things that came out when we were in the class about the teams mm -hmm. and, and helping people to be clear on who it was that they were going after mm -hmm. and I remember somebody saying something like your bus ticket and the bus ticket stopped at a certain time like if you bought a bus ticket it was only good for so long so just learning those different yes, things that you have to understand that because if you're going to be um, providing programming you have to understand when you can do it when people are going to be able to get there and like I said people have lives they're busy too um, and also you have to look at yourself because it's going to be a time commitment for you for sure as well mm -hmm. and are you going to be able to put that time together so you know for me okay I know every Tuesday or every Thursday okay I got to Make sure I'm available when I say I'm going to do these classes because, you know, that's what I said I'm going to do. Right. So I would be there, you know. I would yeah. just be there. That's good. That's yeah. good. So this is our halfway part, part of the show. And this is where the time of the show when you give us a commercial. Okay. So you give them your contact information. Yes. Tell them about what you got going on. Then we'll come back and finish the conversation. Okay. Uh, so you can reach me at cterry at unitedblackfund.org. And the number at the office is 216-566-9263. And you can certainly reach out and email me. And uh, that would be wonderful. Yeah. I, I, I love to uh, hear from people and I love to, uh, you know, I love to help people out. Yeah. So with that, I know you said the, the class is going to start being virtual now. Yes. So what do you have planned for that so far? Um, nothing. But I think it will be Zoom. Okay. And so uh, because I've been like Zoomed out during this <laughs> Ooh, pandemic, so I'm, you know, just seeing how <laughs> this is going to be. So again, it's going to be... Um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to transfer what I did because, see, when I did the Puerto Rico classes, that's the first time I ever did Zoom training, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just learning how to do that. So I will do the same thing. So it'll be some yeah. kind of drill. Yeah, Zoom. it'll be a Zoom. So I'm thinking about that. I'm like, okay, so how are you going to do your manual? You can't take it back. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it might be, you know, I may just have a couple. Like, of or, show it, because you can share your screen also. Yeah, I might, or I may not be sharing anything. Okay, they just have to take notes. You may have to take notes. Okay. You know, because I know Nick Perry said, well, when are you going to use the screen? I got this visual. I said, well, you know, I'm going to work it out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so we'll see. So we'll, you'll get it together. We'll, we'll, we'll Make some slides. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, Something and something really yeah, easy that they won't take your intellectual there you capital. Go. <laughs> sound like a plan, sound like a plan. So that's cool, Bing. So what does United Black Fund have coming down the pipes? Or um... Yeah, so uh, there's going to be a, a virtual annual meeting. They're still working out the dates, but that'll be sometime um, probably toward the end of August. Um, you know, we're... I have this uh, great new thing with, uh, you're one of the cohort people. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a couple of people who have been selected to participate in uh, the AFP uh, fundraising opportunity. Um, so that's happening. And so there's some other, um, you know, very neat things. I would just say just tune in and come to the website 
and you can see. Check yeah, just out. check out uh, what's happening. So I remember when we went through the workshop, mm -hmm. afterwards um, the United Black Fund hosted a, a meeting. Is that the annual meeting that you're talking about where the grant, the people that were interested in grants and then you guys had a speaker, mm -hmm. we met the whole team. Mm -hmm. What was that? Um, let's see, yes, I think uh, in the past that was kind of like an annual meeting. Okay. Uh, yes, where they had like a, um, a panel discussion and things like that. Yeah, this yeah. particular one, you had some speakers. So um, Sonia Leftwich spoke, and somebody else spoke, and you kind of told us about the grant process. Yes, it was yes. like the next steps after yes. going yeah. through your training. Yes, and y'all had like a, a bigger right, right, okay. and then we would have a big um, meeting. Y'all had breakfast and stuff. Right, for we us. would have the the big grantee meeting. Mm -hmm. um, actually, it would be in January for okay. the folks who were thinking about submitting the pre application. Right, right, right. And um, I would do that to give them. Um, the whole, you know, how to do it and what to do and, and all the information with that. Um, and again, that's going to be probably different too because oh, yeah. everything is virtual. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't gotten to that yet, but we'll, we'll probably figure out what to do because right now what's happened is the whole pandemic hit right in the middle of our grant process. Okay. And so we've been doing the committee's uh, virtual site visits and, and just working out who uh, the grantees for uh, 2020 will be okay and then you know figuring out the things the adjustments we have to make uh, you know to make these things happen because once we determine that then the grantee meeting of course will be virtual so yeah all of and that. I'm sure like some of the um, people that get grants they had to make cha changes too oh, because sure. some of the meetings are you meet and then so part of it is funding for food and all of that so yeah. all that stuff is eliminated yeah. right now yeah so everything um, yes and, and doing our virtual site visits with a lot of the organizations they're all you know struggling in many ways because everybody has to adjust and figure out how they're going to do things virtually or what they can do or what they cannot Can't do, do. Yeah. Um, and particularly programs that are affiliated and tied with the schools uh, you know the schools oh, yeah. are virtual. I forget about you know yeah. not having no babies, being yes, empty yes, nesters yes, is yes. such a wonderful thing. Yeah. So I don't even be on my radar. So right. Yeah. So you know school programs like for the children yes, and after school stuff. Yes, yeah. Um, so everything you know. So everybody's kind of struggling trying to figure out how they're going to do things and waiting to hear you know how things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's quite a ooh challenging time for everybody. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah, and then so when when people apply for the grants, and you said you already have your four organizations, you only do that once a year, twice a year. How often does that happen when you open up for people to actually apply? Uh, right now, it's still once a year, one okay. time a year. So that would be January. So in the January, that's when people can actually. Yeah, apply. that's when we open up the pre-application time, okay. and then people would uh, be able to submit the pre-application. Um, so yeah, right now it's still one time. We've been. Again, looking at that, but with things changing, you know, we're still trying mm -hmm. to figure out how y'all going to change. How, yeah, how, how could that work for us and still work? Yeah. But right now, we have that, you know, working well, so. That's cool. Yeah. So for somebody watching, um, explain to them the process. They don't necessarily have to come mm -hmm. to your training. Mm -hmm. So what's the process to apply for a grant? So, for example, if you could just give me a call and, you know, I could talk to you. Now, you can't talk me into a grant over the phone because people, people <laughs> do. No, people do call me and I'm like, well, I can't do that. You know, there's a process. <laughs> you know, this is not the process. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you could call me and I could talk to you and then I could, um, you know, tell you what you would have to do. So you would have to, usually we have that online and then mm -hmm. you would... Um, complete the pre-application online and submit that and get that in uh, by the end of January and mm -hmm. then that would begin the process um, so that you could, you know, be considered. To be considered. Mm -hmm. What's the website? Website is www.unitedblackfund.org and then all the information in the grants area would be there. So they can check mm -hmm. out, go to the website. It, it will be up there when it's that time period. We don't leave grant information up when it's not time because we would be getting stuff inundated oh with all God, kind of stuff all the time so so the window is normally like a month january yeah usually the beginning of january mm -hmm. to the end of january mm -hmm. is the um pre-application pre process right and then the yeah and then we fund three categories so basic needs which would be you know housing food medicine anything you know basic needs mm -hmm. that you could think of clothing stuff like that um then we do education 
uh, which could be you know early childhood, um, middle school, could be adult. Um, and then we do workforce development. Uh, the workforce is interesting because again, you read that too. Mm -hmm. uh, so the workforce is something I was delving into uh, again before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but what we, what I was discovering is that uh, very often what uh, programs think is workforce development and what the needs are in the real workforce are night and day. And so I was uh, delving into uh, helping them explain really what it is. What workforce Yeah, really what it really like. is and what it looks like. And so, you know, I had um, a person from Tri-C come in and uh, we were about to take a tour down to the manufacturing right. tech, all of that. All that had to stop. Yeah, all that had to yeah. stop. Um, and mainly it was to show uh, folks in workforce development the resources that are here, right here, that you're on the bus line. Mm -hmm. You can just go on down to uh, Tri-C, you know, Metro Campus, and here's all this technology right here. You can, you know, get people involved. Um, and uh, another thing, too, that we have to look at with our community is uh, our folks absolutely have to have high school diplomas. High school diplomas. Yeah, you got to GEDs. GED something. You have to have something. So uh, let's, let's go back and, and um, yeah. unpack those three things. Yeah. So the first one we talked about is the workforce. Yes. So with the workforce, if I have a um, thought, an idea, an organization, 501c3, that deals with workforce, what are the things that I'm dealing with? Um, some of the things you want to make sure is you have to, A, we're looking for program that offers a concrete type of training, but then has a placement. Okay, so it. not just I'm going to come and teach you these soft skills and all right, you got a certificate of a completion, soft skills, you know how to interview. Right, and you're going I, want to, I want it to lead to placement and something. It lead to job placement. Yes, okay. yes, because the problem is there's so many programs where you have the soft skill and so many folks have gone through so many of these trainings that lead to nothing. Okay. And so it's very frustrating. Yeah, I'm to sure. To go to endless training, it leads to nothing. So we're looking for concrete programs that you offer something, but then you are placing them in a way so that there's some employment, okay? Uh, we're also looking at, again, uh, making sure that if folks come to you, there should be an assessment to see what they have or don't have. So if they don't have that high school, then you don't need to be segueing them into training. You need to be moving them into a place where they can go get that a high GED, school diploma yeah. or that GED. And then the people have to realize that if you are missing some things, it comes a time where you can't skip around. You just have to get these things that you need to get. Yeah. You just can't keep trying to get over because it's going to catch up with you eventually. Yeah. So if you need to get some things, get it. So let's say that I have a program and I'm teaching them the soft skills, mm -hmm. but I don't have the wherewithal or the connections as it relates to job placement. So do I need to partner on my own? Or will you guys say, okay, you have this program, she has this program, why don't you all three partner together? Mm -hmm. This is the job skills, they have the training, this is the placement. What does that look like? Yeah, so that's a good point. Again, that's the part where you can talk to me, we can see who you need to collaborate with, and as I tell people in the grant writing class, um, you focus on what you can do well, but you don't need to reinvent the wheel because there's so many programs out here. You just need to know what's out here. So you have to come out of your silo. You know, what happens uh, very often is we get stuck in our own little world and we don't go beyond that. So mm -hmm. we don't know what else is mm -hmm. out here. Uh, we don't even know sometimes, for example, there was an organization in Mount Pleasant on Kinsman and she was looking for somebody who worked with youth. Okay, well, right across the street diagonally was a program that worked with youth. <laughs> she didn't even know that. Her neighbor, right across the street. Yeah, she didn't even know that. But that happens a lot, that people don't even know, you know, what's around. So you have to get to know what's around, and we have to be, I think, a little less territorial 
about you know our programs and uh, we have to be willing to um, you know collaborate with people because I, you can't do everything you somebody cannot, else is doing you cannot, it and I find that you people know? are so I don't know what the word is they don't want to share yeah, that's a, it's like so close knit yeah. I don't want to share if I share with somebody they're going to take my yeah. idea if I share with somebody they're going to run they can't run away with your baby that's your baby that's your, but you know if we work together because you do this and I do this well then you know Possibly, we can go someplace and get joint funding and get something really well together. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we have to learn how to, um, you know, work together. That's true. Yeah. That's that's very important. Mm -hmm. So with the whole workforce piece, yes, you can come in and have a piece of it, but then you also have to have the uh, community partners that you can partner with to bring in all sure. of them so you can have the bigger picture. Sure, sure. Because, right. uh, yeah, you got to know where else you might need to send people. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, maybe that person coming you doesn't have that GED. Okay, well, then here's a program that they can go to to obtain that. Mm -hmm. And then when they have that, then they come back to right, you. Right, right. But, you know, don't spin your wheels trying to put somebody through this training if they don't have that basic credential because it's not going to work. It's not gonna, or even a resume. Yes, if you don't have a resume, you know, or a work history. All of that is That's important. very tough. And it so is. there are a lot of people that don't have that, but then they have the expectation that they should start at a certain place. Well, that's going to be impossible. <laughs> so you have to kind of be realistic, realistic, and and start from where you are, and then yeah. you build up. So, yeah. so so a lot of that is, is is being realistic too. And then I think with the programs that you might get with, they have to be honest about where people are too and what they can and, truly and what you offer. really can yeah. offer so then the next one is education what does that look like i'm coming to you for education what kind of stuff am i coming to you for uh it could be like i said early childhood so maybe it's literacy with children uh it could be uh we have a lot of um education programs related to the schools where they may be you know teaching um students certain things you know um and so with the, uh, with the school programs, we were looking for more concrete types of things. Um, and then again, you have to look at um, stages of life. So for example, as I talk about in, in my class, if you're working with children, you are not, that, that's not workforce development. <laughs> okay. They not yeah, they're not W2s. going to work. You know, it is career exposure, it is career, you know, ask for whatever, but it's not workforce development. Okay. And so, again, you have, that's what gets back to knowing mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. you're doing. Um, if it's the 17, 17 through 24 and up, you know, that's a workforce development okay. piece. Okay. Uh, because that is a tough group. Because what we find is, and that's why it's very hard to work with that group, um, as long as our young people are connected to school or some system, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there is help for them. But the moment you leave school, I mean, if you don't graduate for whatever reason, mm -hmm. once you're out of that system, it is so difficult to get you connected to things. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Unless you, um, you know, you decide maybe I'm going to go to the military or if I'm lucky enough to get a trade and, and get some kind of apprentice program or something like that. But if you fall through the cracks, it is very difficult to get people into things. So that's why there's a big uh, challenge with a lot of workforce programs to deal with this population. Yeah. So if you're missing a lot of things that we talked about because you didn't graduate or whatever, and you don't have some things, it's gonna be very tough for you to navigate. Through so, those processes, yeah, unless so you're connected to something. Yeah. So with that, mm -hmm. maybe um, a nonprofit can have an education piece that can lead them to right. the workforce. Which means, yes. Yeah, so that means you have to take advantage. So you know, I'm looking at some 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 things that have gone away. Like I saw life skills on Larchmere. That's they gone? gone. Really? Yeah. Now there's going to be an 88 apartment unit wow. that they're going to build over there. So you know, you have some of these entities that. Came used up. to be there, but they're yeah, gone. But they're going so now away. it's a need. That's not like it's a yeah, need for so, something like that. Yeah. So you know things change. So you have to find out what is available so that you can continue to send people. You yeah. know, and if you find that maybe people 
um, have an issue with literacy, then you know you've got to plug them into programs for adult literacy, like mm -hmm. C's for Literacy or some other programs. But um, there's a lot of things you have to do with some of the population to get them up to a certain point, yeah. and then you can help move them, them from there. Yeah, yeah. but that's they have to those understand basic that. Things. For, yeah. yeah. So that's the last one: basic needs. Mm -hmm. So if I'm coming to the United Black Fund and my focus is basic needs, what am I focusing on? Uh, you may need food. Okay. Uh, it could be clothing. It could be uh, medicine. So, for example, we fund an organization called Project Hope. So our grants allows them to purchase medicine from um, their sources for little to nothing. Okay. And so that they can provide medicine to their clients, you okay. know, for little to nothing. I think it's probably nothing. But, you know, um, it can be very expensive if you're diabetic and you don't have money for your insulin yeah. or other things, you know, um, so that, you know, um, that provides that. We have another uh, program we funded that deals with eye care. Okay. You know, so. Basic needs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Question, do you guys fund churches? Uh, yes, okay. we do. We have funded churches. Um, very often, um, some churches had food pantries in the past. Okay. We funded uh, programs where they did HIV testing in the past. Um or they've been, um, you know, some kind of youth. Some kind of outreach. Mm -hmm. So if a church has some kind of outreach that falls under this, these three categories, basic needs, education, and workforce. Right. And I just want to be clear on that because a lot of people think no matter what it is that I have, if I come to United Black Fund, I can be funded. No. No. They fund three We fund categories. three categories. And again, your application is key. So if your application is crap, even though you're submitting it for one of those three, it might not get funded. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. So that's important. I mean, that's true. That's yeah. that's important. That's and what so, I. That's the way I talk in class too. <laughs> I keep it real. <laughs> but um, yeah, because that that's what we're talking about. You you may have the desire and and all of that, but again, if you can't present yourself well in that grant application, you may not get funded. Because remember, um, there's a lot of competition you know, for grant funding. And, and it's getting tighter uh, It's getting and tighter, tighter, and especially for our smaller organizations, because there really are not many places for smaller organizations to go for funding. So mm -hmm. we get tons of, you know, people coming to us. So that's why I say you really have to uh, spend time really crafting a quality application. And just don't throw something together and think you're going to get funding. So how much do you guys award, <laughs> award your grants for? So our grants go up to 10000 But, of course, if you're new, you're never going to get that the first time. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. Um, but, yes, they go up to 10000 So when they start at, what's the minimum? Um, you know, we try, well, you know, some people may ask for four. So if 4, you ask 000. for four, we'll give you four. Okay. Yeah, depends. So people won't come for, like, $2,000. Normally, it's anywhere no, from. No, we've had some. Some okay. people may come for two because that's all they need. Okay. So, you know. So just anywhere, anywhere from a hundred dollars to ten thousand. Yeah, yeah, not the hundred. It's a little small, but okay. we find probably I'd say the the least is probably two thousand. Two thousand. Mm -hmm. So anywhere from two thousand to ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars, mm -hmm. and it has to fall mm -hmm. in those three categories: basic needs, education, and workforce, and workforce. development. Yes. And you will fund a church if it has an outreach, because a lot of people just don't even think that a church can be funded or a ministry per se. But it's not the church or the ministry; it's the outreach. It is that's the being program. Funded. Okay. Yes. Yes, so again, that's why you have to be clear. You have to have a concrete program, meaning you must have clients. You know, it just can't be... It's not an ideal. I just can't have an no, idea. you just can't have an idea and there's nobody there. It sounds know? good. So <laughs> I'm telling you, if you give me the money once I get it going, no, no, the people no, are going to come no, and no. we're going to the help them. people have to have been there. You have to have been doing something. <laughs> and I'm going to give you just a little tip. Very okay, often, um, foundations... Sometimes they don't really like to fund churches. I'm going to tell you why. Because very often churches are very horrible stewards of the money. Mm. They're horrible with the reporting. I've heard that before. Yes, they want the money and all of that, but they're absolutely horrible with the reports. 
So that's why a lot of foundations, they don't even like funding churches. Because mm-hmm. they haven't been keeping up with their due diligence. Not, yeah, they're not good at it. So. And then nowadays, it's, it's, it's no excuse. It's no excuse because you have QuickBooks and other things that'll keep that stuff right. right. So right. that's, I always enjoy chit chat with you. We can go on for oh my hours. God, is there time? I know. Oh, I got to come back. <laughs> I know. That's right. Just for part two. Bite yourself back. We will I'm just have come, a part I'm coming two. back. <laughs> <laughs> we will have a part two. So before we close out, give them your contact information the website and any closing remarks you want to share with the viewing audience okay so let me give you my uh, um, email address so it's um, cterry at unitedblackfund.org phone number is 216-566-9263 you can uh, check our website you can email me Um, let me see my parting advice would be um, be prepared because you never know when opportunities will come and when they come you have to be ready so when that opportunity came at that meeting I was ready because nobody in that year they had been talking about it but nothing had happened until I'm sitting there going I'm like it's time (laughs) so yeah always always be ready and then and that way when you're at the table you have a chance to to show what you can do all right thanks for us thank Thank you. you guys for tuning in i'm pastor t this is christian networking entrepreneurs and remember if you don't network you don't work